Ken does the intro so much better. Ken does do a better intro. All right, welcome back to Four for the Road, everybody. I'm your host, No Shame. We got Dave with us here and Kevin from Cobalt Cycles. How you guys doing? You know, the first thing I want to kind of point out before we get started is that if Ken, just because he's not here and was supposed to be here, we can pick on him. If Ken was handsome and attractive with more hair, I think he'd look like Kevin. I, I was thinking that when you popped on and he said, hey, what's up, Dave? I almost thought Ken was in the room for a second. Yeah, dude, if Ken lost, like, if Ken lost, like, I don't know, 60 pounds, he'd look like Evan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is a real, yeah, anytime, real pleasure. Man, anytime. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Honestly, I like doing episodes like this. Uh, it, it just kind of gets us away from some of the – normal stuff that we do it's nice to have something on that's that's involved in motorcycles not just the club or, or social media bullshit or whatever it's nice to have people on that are like not that other people aren't but it's nice to have somebody on there that's out there doing something constructive creating something building something like i mean that that interests me so i'm glad i'm glad we got you on i'm probably better at breaking things than i am at building them <laughs> Kevin, don't get it twisted. Kevin is involved in the social media drama too, but we'll get to that piece later. <clears throat> I think the, the first thing we want to talk about is, uh, you know, what you do for a living because that's what uh, this whole channel is about really is centered around the motorcycle. So you want to tell us a little bit about where you work? So Cobalt Cycles, we're a shop up in Granite Falls, Washington, um, you know, about an hour north of Seattle. So the shop was originally started in 2014. So it was before they brought me on. Um, we're actually the daughter company of a much bigger uh, manufacturing outfit. They do a lot of aerospace defense contracts, uh, as well as commercial industries, sheet metal, stuff like that. Um, but my boss's retirement plan, he's a big shovelhead nut, always has been, is that get out of that and spend all his time over here with me. So in the shop, um, there's two of us that actually work in here. So I do all the bike side of the stuff and Dennis does all of our CNC machining. So they hired me in 2016. Uh, they had another guy running the shop that wasn't working out. I don't know any details. And then, uh, the guy that was working with him, uh, started battling cancer. So they had this shop with nobody to work in it. I was working in a different shop and it wasn't really going very well. So they hired me on brought me in and uh you know this this town is a weird old school motorcycle town like it's a lot of history here and a lot of really weird vibes like it sketched me out originally when they were talking about oh yeah it's up in granite falls um because granite falls like rolling stone hailed granite falls as the meth capital of the u.s and like i quit coming up here in about 2005 because it was just like it was a sketchy town. Like there was a lot of bar fights and hoodlum shit that went on all the time. I was like, hey, not for me. So when they're like, hey, it's in Granite Falls. I was like, man, have you been there? Like I want to get stabbed in the middle of the day. But then we came up here and I was like, oh, like the sidewalks are paved now. And there's like shrubberies and shit. That's pretty cool. So uh, the building that they moved the shop into when I started 
it was the old corner tavern. Um, uh, so the building was built in like 1908, I think is when that building was built. Uh, and it was one of the old biker bars that had always lasted through the years uh, during prohibition. They called it the corner card room, right? So it was a really neat historic building to be in. And like we, uh, we designed like the shops uh, sign out front. There was an old Excelsior uh, dealer here in town. And so we kind of replicated uh, the sign said city cyclery, you know, so it throws back to the really early stuff and it's shaped like uh, the old dealer sign was in town through the, like the forties. Uh, I saw the, the the picture too. Is that something, no shame that you're going to put up um, either promoting this episode or in the podcast or something like that? Cause, cause the way the sign, there, I think if I remember correctly, uh, what you had showed us was there was like a picture with the sign, the way it was originally, and then kind of the modern take that you guys had put on. And I thought it was, it was really cool. And, and if we don't have it included on this podcast, we can certainly make sure that's included in like advertising or, or, or the hype for, for this podcast. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna edit those pictures into the episode um, in post production, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, Kevin's gonna send me some pictures, and we'll get you guys uh, the ability to see some of this stuff. If you know, if you guys are listening on Spotify right now, if you hop over to YouTube, you'll be able to see some of the stuff that he's talking about. Yeah, there's a little. I really, I didn't know anything about it originally. My boss is a big, big history stuff. He's into a lot of the uh, antique mechanical art. Is his vibe. Like, and he does, uh, like he makes watches and clocks big into the old antique, you know, 1800s clock stuff and watch stuff. And, uh, and the old bikes, you know, uh, all that Excelsior stuff. Uh, he's got a 1936 Vincent, uh, or not Vincent, Veliset. Um, I'll send you pictures of that. We actually got that going. It's this crazy, uh, it's a 250 CC two stroke single that uses this dual pipe uh, and it set a it set a speed record in its day for doing 130 miles an hour you know and it's like you know 1936 it's got these skinny shit little tires you know and this drum brake that works on a shoestring that's like that big around sketch out but all that old school it's big open flywheel vintage stuff was always his thing and so when uh when we were talking about what to do for the sign, that was where he was looking at the old pictures in town. And uh, there's actually a museum here in town that worked with us on trying to get as much of like the old Ash Brothers stuff here in town, uh, try to get as much tied into the building outside and inside as we could uh, to keep that vibe. Because originally we were just going to do uh, vintage bikes. You know, we we're going to do a lot more of the, you know, shovels and pans and Evo shit. But uh, hard to make a living just working on shovel heads. So what? Uh, so what got you into bikes? I mean, like when? When did like? I guess a when did the interest start, and then b when did you realize like this is what I want to do to 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 make some money at? Well, I was always around bikes as a little kid. So my uncle, uh, he kind of helped take care of me a lot. And he had a 750 Honda Shadow with like plus, I think they're like plus six forks and shit, right? And so there's pictures of me as just like this little three-year-old kid riding around on a gas tank, you know, grinning ear to ear, big old shit-eating grin, you know. And my mom always rode motorcycles. Um, and there, there's a, my first bike, which was my mother's last bike, uh, was a 74 Honda TL125. And everybody joked that I was born on that bike. 
because uh, I was born April 86 and the tabs on that bike expired June of 86. So when I was born, the bike just kind of sat on the back porch and deteriorated. And I used to go out there as a little kid and I'd climb on it and make, you know, potato noises <laughs> and shit. And, uh, and so then she gave it to my uncle. And nobody ever like talked about it. Like it just went away and I was super bummed and, you know, and then started making, uh, hanging out with him and making like, like we took, uh, when I was four, did like a, a little rigid framed fucking Briggs and Stratton, you know, put around pit bike kind of a thing. Right. And it was always just fucking around stuff like that, little go-kart things. Um, and so when I turned, uh, 14, my uncle was like, you know, Hey, I've got that TL. Yeah. You want to clean it up? You know, I was like, that'd be really cool. So something to keep my hands busy and keep me out of trouble. So I started restoring that dirt bike, which is hard back then, you know, cause it was still, you know, flipping through the little nickel and trying to find, you know, people that might know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody who had this obscure fucking trials bike part that I needed. And then, uh, I started hanging out in shops cause there's a couple of vintage shops in the area, university Honda and, uh, Lake city Cowie where there's some gray beards in there and I'd go down and like fucking, you know, sweep shop and shit. Right. And just do little bitch, like pull weeds out of the parking lot. And they'd be like, Oh, Hey, we got this dusty old gasket. Here you go. And I'd be all pumped that I got this part that I thought I needed. Not realizing I just did like $80 worth of labor for an 85, <laughs> you know, but like, it was cool. You know, so hanging out around the shops and hanging out around people, you know, that we're doing it professionally. Like I kind of just always had that fascination of like, Oh, how do they do that? You know? So got older and older and older. And then when I was 16, they gave me the bike. Like I had just finished getting it going, uh, collected all the pieces, got the thing running. And, uh, and they gave it to me on my 16th birthday, which is just crazy. But the, the funny part was that same day I wrecked it pretty bad. Like I came off this jump, cased it, cracked a rim, broke a couple of ribs. And, uh, that was the end of that. So I was like, well, maybe this won't work, but I was convinced I was going to be a dirt bike mechanic because we were racing at, uh, one of the local tracks, no flat track shit, right? Just Friday night, fuck off type of stuff. And it was just fun. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, I can make a living doing this. And then figured out really quickly that there's no money in dirt bikes if you want to actually make a living. So I kind of just went into the automotive trades you know, started in lube shops and worked my way through that shit. And then, uh, I got a job in a hot rod shop. Well, uh, it would have been 08, I think 08, 09, doing a lot of vintage hot rod shit, front engine dragsters, stuff like that. And they started wanting to do fat tire chopper stuff, which was just gross. Um, I was like, yeah, we could probably make some money doing Harley stuff. You know, there's money in Harley's cause I was never, I was never around Harley's. It was always around sport bike shit and cafe bikes. So, I started getting a little bit more interested in that. And then that shop folded after about three years. And, uh, I wound up going to work back at, uh, one of the parts stores. And then a couple of years after that, I went to work in this shop that I was in before this one, where I was doing cars and bikes, but we shifted over just to bikes. Cause it was, you know, you can work on four bikes in the space it takes to work on one car, you know? So as we went on with that is where I figured out like, Hey, I can make money doing this. And so I just kept reading and studying and trying to learn more and more and more and get out of just doing tires and oil changes and doing the motor builds and transmission jobs and figuring out how to do handlebar jobs and things like that. And then starting to do weird shit and play with off the wall combinations and motor stuff, 
you know, that's what we started getting really into um, here is a lot of the off the wall motor combos that a lot of people say don't work. And then uh, you just tweak it a little bit and you do a couple things that are unconventional and you can get great results, you know, for race stuff, you can get great results on street stuff. It's understanding the differences in the applications for, you know, where. Is there, is there a certain thing that's kind of been like your, like if you had like a passion or like, you know, you, you liked the mad scientist, the tinkering is like just what gets you off or, you know, doing a handlebar job or, or doing, you know, doing something to, to motor work. I mean, was there like, like you said, is there trial and error things? Is there, what's kind of like your, your jam? What gets you, what gets you going? The shit that people say you can't do. Like I was, you know, I was a snot nosed little punk shit kid. Right. And so every time somebody would say, Oh, you can't do that. Be like, fuck you. Watch me hold this. Hang on. So like, there's some stuff that I don't want to talk about because in the industry, you know, I've talked about ideas on stuff before where then other people take it to market first, but trying to do some motor stuff with the vintage bikes that nobody else has done that they say you can't do. Um, in the past, they were always right. But now with, uh, you know, my boss, like I said, his passion is shovel heads. Um, so we're working on some weird off the wall shovel head shit that nobody's ever seen before. And we've got the equipment to do it, you know, cause I mean, we've got you know, from manual mills all the way up to, uh, 11 axis, I think is the big CNC machine they've got over there. You know, so a lot of ability to do crazy wild shit. I like doing the, okay, how do I take something out of an M8 and make that work? in a shovel or a pan or adapting adapting a lot of the new tech into the old bikes without losing that soul that flavor that that old bike has i think that's one of my favorite things to do like we i love that that's there's so much like i think you know for somebody like me who's not mechanically inclined at all i still when i hear somebody like you talk about it like i see the the art and the passion that goes into there and then i'm excited i'm like don't let me touch your cnc machine like don't even let me look at it but i love hearing somebody else describe it because like you get hyped up about whatever it is that you're into like hearing somebody else talk about what they're passionate about or where they find like art then all of a sudden you're just like motivated for whatever it is that that gets you going so i love that shit i think that's that's awesome um what's kind of like if there was an end goal, if there was a five-year, a ten-year, a twenty-year goal, what would you what would you say that is? Yeah, not die. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'd really like to get. I think the the end goal is we'd like to build a team where it all just functions and we don't have to feel married to the place twenty-four-seven. You know, like that's. I think that's the hardest part about working and especially in the independent side when, uh, when you're really pushing to try to be more than just that hole in the wall tire and oil shop, you know, like it's, it's a lot of work, you know, and it takes people don't understand how much work it takes to actually make a dealership run, you know? So if you're trying to push to that level, it's finding younger people that want to be into the old stuff to keep it going. So, you know, something that we've talked about on Four for the Road before is that old stuff becoming new again. And especially I think that that rings true in the motorcycle community where we seem to really value traditions 
old school stuff, the history, the past, uh, you know, from a mechanic side of that, especially with somebody with your expertise, are you seeing a younger generation that's, that's having that same passion for, for those older bikes? Yes and no. Um, I mean, part of the problem is there's a lot of the old ways of doing things that, you know, need to stay the old ways of doing things. Like we just, we can leave that behind us and move on. Uh, you know, I think that applies universally, but, um, yeah, across the board. Agree. But, uh, the problem I see with a lot of younger kids is they get that, you know, the, the TV bike builder thing, I think really did a huge disservice to the industry because while it brought just as many people being interested into doing it, you know, they make it look like you build an entire bike in 30 minutes and that's all there is to it. So kids get this really romanticized idea of that, of like, hey, the old school ways of, you know, working in a shop is just partying and all this shit. It's like, no, man, it's it's sweeping the floor. It's scrubbing the toilet. It's, you know, making sure your parts are organized, putting your orders in, doing your paperwork. You know, there's so much outside of that glamour that has to be done that I think kids don't get. And they don't really get the the root of how it works, right? Everybody wants to be like, oh, well, I know how to do this. It's like, well, you, somebody told you, you know, I've, some of the problems I've had with teaching people is I want to teach them how to figure out how to do it without me. Like, where should you, I'm not going to tell you the answer. I'm going to show you how to go find it. Because hang on, hang on. I just want to make sure I'm following you real quick. You would like somebody to not only be told what's correct, but then also to do some research to solve the problem. Yeah. It's weird how many okay, parallels. Just, I just want to clear that up real quick. <laughs> building bikes <laughs> and building bike clubs. It's like the same fucking thing. Weird. There's, there's so much of it that is, it's you, you look at, I can't just tell you like, Oh, Hey, because then it's, that's the problem. And it is, it's something that's universal with everything where somebody's just telling you the answer all the time. Oh, this is, this is this, you know, you end up where things get distorted because word of mouth, especially, you know, anybody who's around, especially the older bike scene, you know, uh, gray beards have some tall tales sometimes. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I actually posted a meme back in the day and what introduced me to the fourth of the road stuff was it got shared on sucker free MC. And it was a meme I did of Robert Downey Jr. Rolling his eyes. And it said, uh, you know, that face I make when a shovel head dude tells me his bike did 120 miles an hour in fourth gear, you know, so they come in and you get the guys like, Oh no, if you do this to your bike, it'll do this. It's like, no man, that's mathematically impossible. Like you can break it down. Like, all of the details on the gear ratios and everything else where they're like, no, 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 it did. Okay. Sure. Yeah. So like before I cut you off on my, on my soapbox, again, you got that, you know, the, the magic wall in front of you, where are you trying to take this in, in, in 20 years, you know, building that dealership, trying to find the right mix of young people to be interested in it. What's, what's that, what's that end goal? The end goal is just to keep this whole thing, Keep it going with young people being interested in the old stuff, being able to sustain the old stuff. And at the same time, 
the parts that we're trying to make, reintroducing a lot of quality standards into the industry. That's been a big problem for a long time as well. So there's a lot of other people out there um, in, you know, in my generation, you know, we get guys in our mid thirties where everybody's fed up with junk parts and it's so commonplace in the industry that you're seeing right now so many small companies popping up where they're making parts that they really give a shit about instead of a lot of the other large companies that just don't give a shit anymore. It's teaching for us. We want to bring young kids in and teach them, you know, how important it is to make sure that these parts, everything you do on that bike, reintroducing the higher standard instead of lowering the bar to make what you just did. Okay. Raise the bar and shoot higher. You know, like if I, if I did die where at least one kid was doing that, I'd probably feel okay. I think. So you, you were talking about um, some of these projects that you're doing where, you, where you're doing things that have never been done before. And I know me and you have talked about uh, upcoming product lines and some of the ideas in the future and stuff like that. And I know some of the stuff you can't share because, you know, it's intellectual property and you don't want these things going to market before you have a chance to, to get them. Are there any examples of stuff that you guys have done in the past, um, like favorite projects that you worked on that have been like super innovative that... Uh, maybe are already public knowledge or in the public domain? So a lot of the stuff that we've done in the past kind of gets overlooked because it's subtle. That was, we did a, I did a shovel head. Uh, it was a 76, excuse me, that one was 75. Um, and we machined these bill of aluminum fender struts and they were a drop strut. So they were both on for a shovel head and they'd get the tire uh, the fender a lot tighter to the tire and it looked super clean, nice straight struts. Um, and nobody gave a shit. And then on that bike, we did these custom controls to put twin cam floorboards on it because shovel head controls are a 58 piece screwdriver that are just janky as fuck. Um, but we did all these modern upgrades You know, I did full floating, uh, full floating rotors on it. Uh, I built a wiring harness that mimics the 2008 uh, Softail. So it's color coded to factory shit, right? Anybody in any Harley dealership would be able to pull the dash off of the shovel head and go, oh, I know exactly what this is. It makes sense. So we did all this update stuff on that bike and nobody ever really paid attention to it. You know, they kind of dug the paint because we painted it. Um, for, it looked like the old, uh, the Hearst Olds. It was red and black with uh, silver leaf outlines and uh and that bike was in the 2020 drag specialties fat book with another shovel head that we did for my boss and the road king that i've got up there that we're updating again um but i think that that main that 75 is probably one of my favorites that we've done so far because it was so different but subtle so it's a lot of the, a lot of the problem with everything in the past was I was always so hung up and focused on making it look like it was stock that people assumed it was. So like, that sucks. You know, you park this shovel head where I've touched every nut and bolt and updated it and it gets parked next to some big wheel that's being held together with chewing gum and duct tape and everybody's focused on the big wheel. It's like, that, that's kind of Everybody loves a big wheel bagger. <laughs> everybody loves a big wheel bagger. You know, 
you, you hit on something earlier too, talking about, you know, these smaller shops that are coming up and really invested in what they're doing, whether that's, you know, frame up bikes or, or just specific parts or, or whatever. Um, you know, what role has like, do you feel like social media and like, is that kind of taking over for how people get their product out there and really interact with the world? Is it, I mean, is it a combination of events and, and dealer exhibits and, and social media? Like what's, what's going to push people getting recognition for their work in the, uh, in the next century? I think the biggest, probably the biggest thing with it is a lot of the social media stuff with more word of mouth. Like if you try to look at like Facebook from a business aspect, well, we spent a bunch of money on like Facebook ads, right? Uh, right before Black Friday and it turned into this thing where we didn't get a single sale out of it. We didn't get a single, no transactions, right? And then it turned out after the fact that Facebook had some glitch, right? So only big corporations with these multi-million dollar ad campaigns were getting clicks, but all small shops like we were, but in other industries as well, had the same problems where we spent all these money on ads that didn't go anywhere. And people get tired of being marketed to. So I think with social media, it helps where somebody can go find who you are, but having that word of mouth, you know, everyone's so tired of the marketing gimmicks and the bullshit and the sales tactics that having somebody say like, Hey, I bought this product from this dude over here. So-and-so and dude, this is a fucking killer product. You should go check it out. Or I had so-and-so do this work for me and they knocked it out of the fucking park. They do rad shit. You know, having people be able to go find you easily is important, but having that word of mouth and taking care of taking care of the customers, I think is even more important and even worse getting lost as time goes on. You know, people give less and less of a fuck about how, how the customer really gets taken care of, you know, and they get more focused on time and volume instead of really taking care of the customers. I think it's, uh, it's kind of, funny the way that I found you on uh, on social media was kind of happenstance really you, I think you won one of our like t-shirt giveaways and then uh, you know it was just contacted me like oh yeah just send the t-shirt to the shop I'm like alright this guy's got a shop cool and then uh, yeah just start I think I followed you on maybe Instagram first and then then TikTok or something like that but you uh, you've built yourself a, a pretty substantial TikTok following. I mean, almost 10,000 followers. That's nothing to, to shake your head at, you know? Um, and Wait, how, I don't, so I'm not on TikTok. How many do you, for comparison, how many do, uh, how many followers do you have? No shame. Do I have not as many as that? Maybe like five or 6,000. Okay. Cause as far as I'm concerned, like you're the king of TikTok. Like I think everything oh, no. that Cody's you do is hilarious. So now you're coming in and saying that better looking Ken, I mean, Kevin <laughs> has, you know, 10,000. Now I'm just blowing away. <clears throat> well, that kind of brings us into our second part of, of the episode is that um, I know a lot of people are probably going to come over here from that TikTok space and, and that's where they're going to hear about this episode and find us here. And then, you know, hopefully some people, that have uh, that are a part of our audience can can go over and follow you there and can kind of see all the cool shit you're doing, but there is also an element of like clowning, trolling, and jackassery, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, originally what started my following was I was I was trying I did TikTok to kind of 
I was always super uncomfortable being on any kind of video. And those goals to do YouTube shit. So I was like, well, TikTok's easy. There's no real editing. So I'll just fuck with that a little bit. And originally I was doing a lot of tech stuff, like trying to just help people figure out tech problems, tech advice, shit like that. And that's what set me off initially and got me over uh, my first few thousand were just from that stuff. But then it plateaued because the TikTok algorithms fucking, I don't, I don't get it, but you know, you'd, I'd put all this work into doing a tech video and like 50 people would see it. And then I'd say something fucked up to a friend. And then all of a sudden that would take off and everybody loved that. So it's like, all right, well, satire and sarcasm are kind of the few things that keep me sane, like just from jumping off of a cliff. So I was like, oh, we'll just have some fun with it. You know, and I made friends with a few people on the app that were kind of similar mindset, you know, other people in the motorcycle scene and culture that can take a fucking joke. And uh, I was like, all right, let's, let's make jokes. Let's fuck around. Let's laugh. And, you know, some people really don't get it with like how deep some of the satire goes where it's like, nah, man, like that's my homie. We talk all the time, but I'm glad you think I actually hate him. Like, well, it's sorry, funny, man. Cause like I got on uh, like when we first met and then uh, I started following you, um, I'd watch your videos and be like, man, this guy's smart as fuck. He knows way more shit about motorcycles than I do. And I'd watch like, you know, a couple videos and I'd feel like I learned something. And then every time one of your videos would pop up and be like, oh, here's Kevin again talking about some shit I don't fucking understand. And then, uh, then I stopped doing TikTok for a while and I came back. Uh, I don't even know why I, I, I didn't, hadn't opened the app for like months and I came back on and now there's like this whole biker talk community, you know, and then there's. There's biker talk highlights that that um, that uh, Wrecking Ball Bob puts on and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, and then here's Kevin like talking shit about people now. Like that's cool to see everybody. Like, so it's like it's weird that there's this whole like biker talk community. Um, and speaking of Wrecking Ball Bob, you guys have been having like a little tiff lately. So let's let's jump into that. I kind of compiled some of you guys' videos. So I I know Dave probably hasn't seen any of these because he doesn't have TikTok, but. I didn't even so there's a biker. It's a real thing. A biker yeah. talk community. There's biker yeah. talk, and then and then wrecking for all those biker talk same. highlights. And like, I think we're and all everyone. about the same age, but I've never felt older than I do at this exact moment. Just now learning that there's a definition of biker talk. Don't ask what biker is. That would get you booed right out of the fucking joint. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here we go. Here's here's the here's the spat between you and uh and wrecking ball Bob. Unless you live under a rock, you'll know that yesterday I was attacked for absolutely no reason by Harley riders. This is just another example of how they'll bully people for absolutely no reason. They band together and unite under no cause other than the fact that they want to bring good motorcycle riders down. They make hurtful videos where they make it look like you're saying things that you didn't really say. And let me tell you, I didn't send multiple rude text messages in a group to bomb Ken Bastard. I don't know any other Wrecking Ball Bobs, and owning a victory is definitely an acceptable reason to bully somebody. I am a victim! Are you familiar with the old saying, if you're gonna hit the king, you better kill the king? Man is infatuated with me, texting calls at all hours of the night and day. Yesterday, I was informed that even his wife is suspicious of his intentions. This 
Does anybody else have that one friend who rides or drives some obsolete shitbox and they want to call you for hours at a time on the weekend when you're trying to just have a nice day with your wife? But instead, you listen to your friend crying about how they can't get parts for their motorcycle for over an hour and how nobody makes anything for their bike and then they beg you to allow them to send you their shitbox so that you'll work on it for the $75 that they have to spend on it. Nice. Look at you, look so good. And for those of you enjoying this segment of Biker Talk Wars and would like to see more of it, me and this queen over here are going to be on four for the road. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I feel like that moment, like in Jerry Springer, where like they bring out the baby daddy, you know, to hear his side of the story. Bob's the baby daddy. And for those of you that are not on uh, YouTube, we are now joined by Wrecking Ball Bob. How you doing, Bob? I'm all right. I'm all right. That I don't was think awesome. I've ever been more envious of, of people that have a TikTok or felt more outside the circle of not having one than I do right at this moment. That was pretty good. It's free to sign up, Dave. You should do it. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, just, free. it's funny because, like, you're plugged in with all these people, Dave. Like, like not I mean, not all of them, but there's, like, a lot of crossover. We have mutual friends. There's other group chats involved where, like, there's people on here. You guys are leaving me out of the group chats? You're in some of the group chats. You just don't have a TikTok. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what so so what's the beef going on? Give me give me the background. What do we got? How did it how did you guys I mean, so you guys didn't know each other before this these these funny videos came out? Kevin reached out to me one day and said I'm a huge fan of Victory Motorcycles and I want to learn more about them. And <laughs> me being Mr. Victory Vegas, uh it just, you know. I have nothing but respect for him. I just, I just know his motorcycles inferior. So, <laughs> I mean, at seventy, I saw the chat with the seventy-five dollars. That seems like a pretty fair offer. That seems like a good price. So that is actually, if you read that text, it says a deposit for seventy-five dollars. There was a whole one-hour phone call where I was harassing him about an FXRT fairing. And then I went to the group chat and said he agreed for the the deposit. And then, you know, it could be taken out of context. You know, that's fine, though. I told him it was going to cost $75 to keep me talking about putting an FXRT carrying onto a fucking victory. And then there was probably going to be a $4,000 deposit for me to hold the slot. And he would have between noon to 1230 on one day to get the bike from the opposite corner of the country. Hey, you know... I don't know if any of you guys follow uh, Left Lane Syndicate, but but Jay from there, he's got the the FXT fairing on the uh, on his on his on his Triumph, and it didn't turn out half bad. Also, if Jay got face tats, he'd look like Bob. Tell me I'm wrong. I, Kevin told me I had to have these to come on this show that I would only be taken seriously if I had face tattoos. So those are pretty fresh, aren't they? They are. They're like less than four or five days old. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that just for four for the yeah. road. Well, he so told me he was getting them too. He told me he was getting them too, but I see that he, you know, didn't, you know, reneged. Typical you know. Harley owner, right? Yeah, typical. 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 It's not typical. my fault you're Yeah. I can't believe that it's 2023 and somebody who's, you know, well-known on YouTube doesn't have a TikTok. That's just weird to me. Is, is that a shot of me? I yeah, mean, we all it. have TikToks. That's how we all know each other. He has a problem yeah. pointing at the different First things all, on the screen. Back of all, I'm not, I'm not well known on, on YouTube. I 
don't do I've been on like I refuse to do videos for four for the road and like no shame has to like beg me every time like, can we just do video and I'm like this, we're is a this, second, this is the second podcast that we're video cast that we've done with Dave he, he refuses to be on really doing this See, I saw him on that other one and I figured this is the guy right here like this is the dude <laughs> so okay so I was on on the fast life podcast but to be fair I feel like that's an easier vessel vehicle platform to have a conversation like this because you're all in the same room like shit talking each other when you're on video you like you're like hey man can can you pause for a second i really want to i want to slam you with a good one right now you know, you're constantly piling on top of each other trying to talk yeah well i mean yeah, there's there the fee for my service and then there was a live debate so this is the third time Right. Dude, that live debate was a shit show, though. So I feel like that's a point for like me not being on video. But I have to give credit. No shame, you know. No shame is I always say like when I go on the fast life or something like that. I, you know, no shame is a genius when it comes to at least in my eyes when it comes to the social media videos, mashing it all up, splicing it all together, making it funny, putting in you know the clips in the right order. I would fuck that all up. It'd be terrible. The problem is that I typically use my powers for evil instead of good. And then and then TikTok is the only place that I showcase that. And so anybody that knows me from TikTok thinks I'm just this fucking douchebag. Which Yeah, know, but I mean are they wrong? No, they're not. They're not wrong at all. First video I ever saw of No Shame was because of that other one. Uh Cody sent it to me and I, I just I I passed out laughing. I mean, that's the only way to explain it because it was just hilarious. Because I had seen that guy on TikTok and went out of my way not to watch his videos. Uh, and uh, then I saw yours. I don't remember which one it was. It was one of the two where you were doing an impression and I just lost it. But that's what I'm known for on TikTok is for mashing up videos. So so there's two things I want to spit real quick. I assume you're alluding to when, when No Shame did the, um, the puppy patches. Is your man, milkman, 2% of your, eh? Sitting in the garages of Mexico. Yes. Has ha, have either of you seen the um, the Tulsa King episodes yet with Sylvester Stallone? No. All right. Well, you're not going to get it. I I told No Shame that I think that the biker gang that they put into into uh, Tulsa King they ripped off the patches that No Shame designed. They look almost identical. And, and I don't. He refuses to watch to get to those episodes. I guess like him and his wife like stopped watching at a certain point. But I'm like they ripped you off. No, um, I, I got to them. I didn't see it, but my wife was like, Dave was fucking right. Those look like yeah, it hundred percent the puppy patches. So, so what is it for 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 somebody that's dumb like me? The the biker talk news thing. What is? It? Tell us what that is. So biker talk highlights. Uh, I, it, I already fucked it up. I'm sorry. It, it was uh, it was actually a joke between me and uh, uh, Cody Lane, backseat gyno, uh, about a year ago. I made the first one. It was nothing more than a joke, and. Uh, Almost a year later, I'm doing it every week. Uh, it just I take clips from a whole bunch of people's different TikToks and I mash them, put them together, and and make I make fun of people like, but in, in a nice way, not not the way this guy does it. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, and then every week I do one, you know, except for when I'm so concentrated on what he has going on, I haven't been able to do one because I've been living in fear uh, of what he's going <laughs> to say about me next. So. <laughs> He's my biggest fan. 
I watch his TikToks all day over and over again. But yeah, we've uh, yeah we just go back and forth on on which is better, and uh, you know, it really isn't even about the motorcycles anymore. It's more about his lustful hatred of me uh, for my existence. So just. So it's moved. It's moved past a, a Harley victory beef, and, and now it's personal. I think it's just because he knows there's somebody out there that that is better than him, really. You know. A, there are a lot of people that are better than me. B, <laughs> none of them. Okay. <laughs> we just go back and forth. And by the way, that picture that you you showed at the end of that reel, where uh, where his face was photoshopped onto it, that is actually uh, Northern Cody sitting on that victory that I photoshopped his face onto. So. Just so, so we get that on my here. face onto Northern Cody's body and Northern Cody literally, he sent me a message saying that he sat on that bike because Bob was having serious life-threatening thoughts. So to make Bob feel okay about his terrible motorcycle choice, Northern Cody searched all of Colorado to find one victory and he sat on it to try to save this poor pathetic person's life so it was, horrible, did you dude. actually photoshop because i know i know cody made the comment about the about him sitting on the bike is that actually him and then you actually photoshopped kevin's face cody sent me that picture uh about two months ago two and a half months ago and said here you can use this in your biker talk highlights or whatever and i think i did for like a just a glimpse and one of them showing that uh, team victory had a new guy is a joke and it didn't i guess it didn't land but uh the other night when he started uh posting screenshots of conversations i was like okay we're gonna get dirty let's get dirty uh mine were edited i'm sorry you don't say anything dumb in text messages i can't help that (laughs) (laughs) you're about sitting there slicing (laughs) i love peepees like, so I'm a truck driver. I'm in a truck at a, at a at a truck stop right now. So I don't have a lot of time. I literally pulled over when I thought of that. And it took me an hour to find the perfect picture, an hour to edit it all together. Then I had to make the video while I was getting diesel. It was a whole deal. I think that the, the DOT appreciates hearing that you're stopped, though, when putting together these, like, yeah. these highlights. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, court, in the court of public opinion, Who's who's winning this 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 beef right now? I don't know. Probably Kevin. He comes up with some really sick stuff. Uh, some stuff I can't even combat. You know, uh, th- but it's the same arguments from him that is everybody else. They don't make victories anymore. Where do you get parts at? You know, and all this stuff. I mean, it's just an old argument, really. So it's on, on uh, every other day goes, oh, well, at least my motorcycle doesn't leak oil. <laughs> I actually yeah. don't say that. That's Mickey Knuckles. Hey, Hello. Mickey. <laughs> so what? what is the uh, actual preferred reason that you have a victory? Just because you like it? Or are there I've had a, I've had a bunch of motorcycles. I've had a bunch of motorcycles. I've actually had a Harley. I had a 06 Street Bob. I had a 1200 Sportster. I'm too big for Sportsters. Uh, and, and I think uh, I, I, I like all motorcycles. I've always wanted a victory. And uh, when I started getting a, a bigger following on uh, TikTok or Biker Talk, as you want to call it, and started growing, I figured it would. It, I figured it would get 
you know, some, some juicy, uh, drama flowing. So, uh, and I've always wanted one cause I've never had one. And I, uh, did a lot of research on them and I found out that they were actually pretty reliable and, uh, you can get parts for them and, uh, you know, they are fast. Uh, so I, I got one against the advisement of this individual and literally everybody else. Uh, so I went ahead and got one. It is fast. Uh, but you know, it's a press, I guess it's a preference thing. See, here's the thing though, because fast is relative. It's like large. It's not actually a unit of measure. Okay. Right. So like, you could say it's fast compared to a Honda Grom, but when you deal with an adult, like, like my bike's not faster than a leader bike. Like I'm not going to outrun a Busa. I'm not going to take any of these big dick Japanese bikes. Right. But you will never see anything other than my taillight 80 yards down the road from your overhead cam air-cooled shitbox. It's not air-cooled. It's liquid-cooled. That cooled. felt personal. That felt personal. Where's the radiator? Huh? Where's your radiator? Where's the radiator? On the front of the bike. Oh, you're even worse than... I don't understand. You don't even know what you're talking about. Do I need to come over there and fix whatever you got sitting behind you? Motherfucker, that's a big difference. That's the difference between a goddamn water-cooled motor and a fucking air-cooled motor. So I'm on fucking goddamn podcast saying you got a fucking air-cooled bike. You're like, no, oh, I don't. I got a fucking, uh, fucking, I got a radiator. Fucking you, oh, you son of a bitch. You son of a, making me look fucking stupid like I don't know shit. Second-guessing myself because I don't care about gay bikes. And you're out here fucking running around with a fucking air-cooled motherfucking thing with a goddamn oil cooler on it like a fucking shovel head. You son of a bitch. I've got a crescent wrench. Grown up, grown up <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about, man. <sighs> Jesus. Right, I guess, I guess it, fair opportunity, Kevin. Why, why Harley over victory? Do we have enough time for that? What was, it, what was that? I said because I like women. But as much <laughs> as Bob wants to pretend, the, the, the opposite is true, okay? Here's here's the thing is aftermarket sport. Like be, taking satire out of it, the reason that I don't do victory, the reason I don't do the Indian stuff is strictly the aftermarket support. That's what it comes down to. Is when people try to have like the serious arguments about it, where they're like, my bike's just as good. I'm like, man, if you want a stock bike, if you want something that you can just hop on rip ass and never have to worry about breaking down and you don't need to change anything, I would be on a challenger. 110%. However, I cannot fit comfortably on that bike. Bar availability, when we were looking at what bike I was going to get, there wasn't shit for a Challenger, right? Seats, everything about it, it's growing slowly because it's still in production, but there's still not a huge aftermarket for it. Where you look at a Road Glide, I can build it into a performance bike, I can build it into a touring bike, I can decide that I do love men as much as Bob and put a big wheel on it, I can turn it into an ADV bike. There's a lot of things I can do with a Harley because the aftermarket is always growing. Victories, they don't make anymore. So the aftermarket doesn't grow. We, we see that in the Harley side, like the stuff for the vintage bike shovels, aftermarket availability is dropping because they don't make them. There's not a demand. Well, what's the demand for victories other than the six people that own them? 
right? I'm going to go broke if I sit over here trying to be Mr. Victory, right? So we stick with Harley. He, he is right. And, and, and with Indy and uh, what we've seen like a lot of, especially off of like TikTok, where we see a lot of Boom Boom, the guy who's who's kind of put challengers up on a pedestal. He's actually had to design and ha- had his hand in designing bars and seats and all these aftermarket support items and stuff like that. But Victory does have aftermarket support more than I even knew up until recently. There is a company called Witch Doctors. Uh, and they not only manufacture parts and and provide them. Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm go no. Ahead, I'm, I'm counting the aftermarket manufacturers you're going to list. We got one. Keep that's going. the only. That's the only one I'm going to talk about. Obviously, so it's witch doctors. Okay, so one. And if they're looking for sponsorship opportunities, four for the road is always open to discussion. Yeah, it, so. for real though. Go, for, ahead, be, be, go ahead and give them a shout out. Because they do, time. they do need uh, to people to get out there. Because I've had this victory for six or seven months now, and I, there are other companies I, I can't think of them off the top of my head because that's the only one I'm dealing with now. Because I found them, and they literally have everything on there. Like I needed new bars because I was getting harassed on the type of bars that I have. So uh, I was looking for T-bars everywhere, and I finally found that there is a company that makes that kind of stuff, uh, FMB. Oh, my Jesus. FMB makes T-bars, and, and uh, Witch Doctor uh, uh, distrib- distributes them. They, they sell aftermarket parts. They sell factory parts, and they, they do their own parts and cables and all that kind of stuff. What are you shaking your head for the, this whole time? What are you doing? I'm just listening. I'm learning. He's an active listener. He's sitting over here just freaking all this crap over here. Because I'm trying not to I just up. wish I just wish Ken would have been on this episode for us as he was a long time long I mean he's got a roguelide now, but he was a long time victory owner. And I think he would have been hilarious in this debate as well. Yeah, I would have at least had some help. I will I, I was you know Ken would be much help. He abandoned yeah, victory Ken, pretty quick. He's, it, I don't know if 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 he would have been much help, he probably would have. Whatever side, if he felt like the Harley side was winning, he's gonna jump ship. He's he's pretty wishy washy on these debates. <laughs> Speaking hard. of jumping ship, my my favorite video that came out so far was this one that uh, that Kevin did of it's like uh the hoist the flag scene out of um Pirates of the Caribbean. And then, like, next thing you know, they're sitting on this raft, and it's just it's, it's Wrecking Ball Bob on the raft, and then the big ship that's sinking into the ocean with the Kraken pulling it down has Victory written over top of it. Do you have, uh, do you have that, that, that queued up ready for this? I it, It'd be terrible for audio-only people, but I could pull it up. Ah, oh, because is it that? I mean, I already had like... to watch this twice. This is torture now. You've watched it more than twice. I did. But... Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, for him. <laughs> it was funny. I'll, I'll give him. It was creative. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like I said for, for somebody that's not on TikTok. I mean, the stuff that that you guys are doing. Um, I mean, no, like I said, no shame is usually coming in the group chat and sharing the good ones, and and they're hysterical. I mean, I like I said, I feel like I'm missing out sometimes. It's wow. not hard to make a TikTok. I don't like. I don't want to. This right here is a face for radio. I don't want to see myself on videos. Um, 
Well, you don't have to video yourself. You could video your motorcycle. We have a guy on Biker Talk that is known literally for doing nothing more than walking around his bike, videoing it. And he does it like counterclockwise, clockwise. Sometimes he zooms in, sometimes he zooms out. That's all he does on TikTok. I just really got, you know, there's a story that I don't know how long or how many episodes in Four for the Road you've ever, you've ever listened to, but there's a story one time that I think really sums me up where it was Christmas time. Uh, I was still in the military. I was, I was um, visiting family and I was not with my, my girlfriend at the time, later became my wife. Um, but we were, we were messaging back and forth and, and we were having an intimate moment. Um, and I accidentally sent that intimate moment um, to a whole bunch of family members grandma, uncle, I might've sent it to my mom. I, I give you that bad story for context. And that's probably how I would screw up TikTok. And it's amazing that I haven't actually done that on like Instagram is I would just, it would just be me with jerk videos that were supposed to go to my grandma that somehow ended up online. See, but, but TikTok has these community guidelines violations. So literally within 60 seconds of it being uploaded, it'll get pulled off and you'll get that's, a notification that you violated enough. That's really sweet for you to assume that number one, it would last 60 seconds in the video or that I would last. And number two, that, that you would be able to oh, see no, it long enough to get it. It's a 15 second video. They'll just pull it after you post it. Like within 60 seconds of you uploading, you're, you're out. <laughs> All right, so do you, you, have, you guys do you have are... this, this video ready to go? No, I can't. It's trying to load all those videos on, on the Tiki Taki is just uh, really slowing down my connection here. But I will show it to you later and I can loop it into here later so that the audience knows what we're talking about. But uh, you got, you guys have some pretty decent sized followings on TikTok and we were just talking about those community guidelines violations. How often do your videos get reported? And so this does is it my get reported more often when you're having a a disagreement with somebody. This is my third account. Uh, and I have just under 18,000 followers. Uh, my other accounts, I was known for doing other stuff on TikTok other than the motorcycle content. And it would get reported. <laughs> <laughs> it would get reported. I'll send you one of the videos. No shame. I'm not going to bring it up on here. Uh, but uh, they, uh, they, they would report that stuff that, I don't have an issue with things getting reported on TikTok unless I'm writing or, uh, or I say something out of line. Cause I do have to uh, watch what I say a lot of times, especially when we're doing stuff going back and forth because uh, it can get a little, you know, not heated, but a little vulgar, I guess. How many, uh, how many, how many accounts have you had? No, no shame. I'm on the original account, but I'm very careful about what I put on TikTok. So, so I make wait, sure to all never, of the, Everything I've done is within bullying. Yeah. Everything I've ever done is within community guidelines. Um, except for one thing I posted something that was like dangerous. It was, it was like an actual like riding video and that got pulled because it was like, is it, it was dangerous content or something like that. But everything, like when I talk shit about people, it all stays within the guidelines of TikToks. But with my most recent and probably most famous back and forth tiffed on TikTok that's happened. Ever since that's happened, every single video that I post gets reported for community guidelines violations. Now, I appeal them and they all get reversed because like I said, I don't break the rules. I'm a, I'm a law abiding biker. But uh yeah, it's it's pretty annoying. 
I love yeah. how this this segment started with like art and passion and talking we about Excelsior talk motorcycles and talking about mad scientist shit and, and how to make it work and tick and like just getting hyped up, right? Like I was going to run through this bedroom wall and like start working on something. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then we just like in four for the road fashion, we like dovetailed into like grandma jerk videos and TikTok community <laughs> guidelines. Like I feel like like that, like right there, if you're looking for a clip, like I think that like what is four for the road really encompass, you know, like what is, what are they about right there? Grandma jerking off and talking shit on social media. Like really, like in the beginning, like the first 20, 25 minutes, there was like a Tom Fugel vibe to Dave Mann sort of thing. And, and in no way am I comparing us to those legendary figures, but like the way they used to talk about bikes and they have these old letters that like, you know, you can like look on Google and instagram or whatever and find people that have posted old letters between each other like that's the vibe we started off with right like you know the art and and, and the love of these bikes or, or you know whatever the case may be this old this old culture and tradition and now here we are in well, a truck stop talking about grandma here's how i look at it the first part of the episode the first 20 30 minutes those are for the drifters of the world and then once they they're 20 30 minutes into it they're old so they fall asleep and then this is like late night pay-per-view. Remember on the, you know, you used to flip to channel 69 on the TV and watch the blurred out porn. That's where we're at now. Our parents have fallen asleep and we're watching the blurry porn. Scramble channels is where it's at. This is the Jerry Springer show. 2 a.m. Scramble channels is where it's at. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think, you know, uh, a debate, I know it's a show that no shame is scheduled. Um, you know, we try to like talk about upcoming episodes or we try to plan up. We're terrible, terrible at planning upcoming episodes. Uh, but No Shame has put together one. You know, I think the title is something to do with, with social media. Uh, and I think that it's a concept that bikers, whether you're fixing bikes, whether you're just a rider, whether you're just an enthusiast, whether you're a club dude or whatever, um, I think social media, while it can be absolutely fucking trash, is a really great medium that people should get behind and, and use it in a fun way, an educational way, uh, a preserving history way, sharing a passion and art and, and, and tech tips and tricks for, for idiots like me. Like there's just, you know, there's so much good. I don't care if you're an independent, you're just a, a you're, you know, you're running a shop, you're a club guy, whatever. I just think there's a ton of good community stuff that can come out. Even if you're bullshit, like, who doesn't love a good back and forth? Like if you can like jab, so like that shit's funny and we don't have to take ourselves so seriously all the time. I think it's great. Like the way TikTok, like you said something about the biker talk community or whatever, uh, the way like me and Kevin would never have met each other, or talked to each other or BS around if it wasn't for TikTok or whatever. And there's so many other people like that. And, and those six victory owners across the United States have now connected Okay. And we talk, we text, we, we exchange, you know, mechanical, you know, advice with each other and stuff, because th this guy is not going to help us, you know, it's like a less hetero grinder. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what grinder was until I got on TikTok. just so we're all clear. Is right. there a, uh, is there a plans for a six victory, um, national run meetup? <laughs> not, not that I'm aware of, uh, mine's actually broken right now. 
Yeah, mine's broken right now. I'm waiting on parts. Uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get Kevin on that. Yeah, Kevin needs to get on a victory one time. Well, no, we, we need to get, get uh, him on a fixing bike. Yeah, 75 bucks, and, and that's what he gives me. I think he's having technical issues. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think what, what, what you just said is is spot on. Like, it just it brings people together in a manner that, you know, probably has never existed before. Um, you, If you're in a club, you know, you can communicate with people in different chapters across the world if, if you're an international club or across the country, if you're if, if that's whatever. That, that never you could write letters, phone calls, whatever. But I mean, the means in which you can reach out and talk to somebody. And then if you're not in a club, the means in which you can just network with other riders, get tips, buy parts, see dudes that are doing cool shit and get involved in it, you know, ride and do meetups, campouts, different events, make Sturgis cool again, make Daytona cool again. Like, you know, yeah, you can absolutely be a fucking jackass on social media if that's your thing and that's what you want to do. And recruit <laughs> no but it, you know in a negative way like you want to recruit people to your dog club or whatever but <laughs> you can absolutely use it to just make biker shit in general better you, and i think the thing that, that's that, I, cool thing. that i've noticed and i don't know how much you you guys get into like the club politics and stuff but the coolest thing that i've realized about tiktok is and, and social media in general you know whatever it is is that uh, it, it's a really great place to find common ground amongst you know people that you may not necessarily have an association with, or that may have historically like you may not get along with. Them. You know, if, if Club A and Club B have historically not gotten along, and their two members are watching this idiot who maybe like just pretend scenario, some guy just like makes this club and he puts cat patches on it. And, you know, tries to, like, claim that he's something that he's not. And then they're both making fun of him on this same platform. And they see that. And they're like, wow, these guys are a lot more similar to me than this cat patch person is. And, you know, it's it's, uh, it's one of the things that I've noticed is people of, of different, um, different backgrounds, different areas that wouldn't traditionally be talking and then having a good conversation are now sharing ideas back and forth in a way that's never happened before. And I think it's only going to benefit the community. I, I do see that. And I think part of it um, is it, it does focus on an individual. You know, they see an individual like for. So one of the things that the industry that always made it a point to do everywhere where I've been is I, I do not in any shop that I've ever been in. We don't serve any patches. We don't work with colors. We work with an individual. I don't care what's on your back. I don't care who you're with, who you hang out with. You know, I'm talking to you as an individual person. If another dude from another nation or whatever, and you guys don't get along, and I've had that instance in the shop where nations that might not necessarily be overly friendly towards each other in a given moment would be in the shop at the same time. And they left it at the door. You know, it's, it's like a church. It's neutral, sacred ground where like, hey, I'm going to serve you as an individual with the same respect. I would serve anybody else that walked in. And that's cool. For me, that's easy because I'm an independent. I just I just see individuals. I just talk to individuals. I think that one of the things that we are seeing on social media from an outsider's perspective is more 
more people in clubs seeing individuals. You don't see that where everybody's got that tribalism. Um, they, they just get that moment of free thought and you see somebody who are like, okay, I might not like that guy. He reads a victory, but maybe he said something kind of funny that I can chuckle at for a second. You know, it, it really does focus more on the individual. And I agree. I think it is a really positive thing in that aspect for everyone. I think the drama yeah, brings think, people know, together too, because that, that whole deal that, that isn't being referred to repeatedly, uh, it has brought more people together. And, and I see a lot of it because I, I, and, and it, a lot of people tag me and stuff. And a lot of people send me stuff because they want it included in the, in the biker talk highlight stuff. And I think that week I probably had more stuff sent to me about people making fun of that than anything else. And it, and it, it a lot of it was funny, but you know, people like coming together and sharing that common, I don't want to say hatred, but hatred for one individual making an ass out of themselves. So. And, and yeah, that was funny. I don't know. I feel like I'm still for my own personal individual jury. I feel like I'm still out on how I feel about doing that. Um, but I think, you know, like Kevin said to, to, to the Kumbaya aspect of it, like, you know, nothing in life bikers or anything else is ever going to be, 100% roses across the board, but you really get a chance with, with social media, if done correctly, to see just slightly behind the curtain that a lot of us are more similar and, and we have commonalities than different than, than we do differences. And I think social media gives you a platform to really highlight that in a positive way. And I know trolls or people that have not liked Four for the Road or whatever have said, you know, you're giving away the secret sauce of clubs or, you know, it's, it's, it's only club business or whatever. And I just, I just, as long as I'm, you're not bringing a GoPro into your church session, okay? I'm not, I'm not bringing a GoPro into your members-only area or whatever. Like, it's not that behind the curtain. It's like, hey, here's dudes that are just Bob and Kevin are good dudes, and even if they're in Club A and B, whatever, they're still rad ass dudes. And this is what I love about these guys. That's what I think. Yeah, I hope anyway that that we're using social media for, even though sometimes no shame deviates us from that goal. Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're all just on here trying to talk about the shit that we like and do that with people that are of the same mindset as us. And, you know, like we, we've mentioned on here and everybody's kind of hit on, like, you might find people that you didn't really realize you had that much in common with. And and whether or not you're, you're bonding over something toxic or you're bonding over something positive, you're, you're still bonding over something Um and as long as I th as long as we're all doing that, you know, I don't I don't really see an issue with any of it. Um, is there a is there a lot lizard outside his his truck? Yep, and I bet he's handsome too. <laughs> <laughs> see, I feel like we just gave away the entire social social media episode. I'm just gonna yeah, we should well, like chop this off at like 55 minutes. We just won't tell those guys that are doing the social media episode that we had this conversation. And, I, and, and then whatever that. they say, whatever those guys that are on that episode say that sucks, we'll just we'll just cut that out and put this in. Yeah, not for sure. Well, I think we're at a little over an hour, and Bob is probably going to need both of his hands pretty soon. I'm going to so, need both my hands and my feet because somebody about to get. Go ahead. I'm not going to say. We don't hugged. promote violence here. Somebody's about to get hugged. Hugged real hard. With yeah, all I thought limbs. we were talking about lot lizards. Now he's up. He, he he actually looks upset. Now it's not that funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Hmm. Awkward. Did you hear that? Yeah, that was I that was the move. Set yet. Oh, you motherfucker! Well, <laughs> I think so we should probably cut it out here. That's the first way to end it. I don't want Bob getting in trouble for any felonies on recording. So, <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm a two percenter. Oh shit, my doggy fell. Anyways.